I love microdosing. I love microdosing. Yesterday, I needed to go practice my drums and I popped a little microdose gummy and I'll tell you what happened. I drummed for about a good two hours. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was looking at our new roof, hoping that it wasn't going to leak and I got some anxiety about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gummy just to calm down so I can go to sleep and not worry about this. And I did and I had a great night's sleep and I woke up and there was no leak. I've noticed a change in you for the, a positive change. I like to hear that. Yeah. I feel like your mood is like very centered. I'm sleeping much better. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just that right amount of good. And you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code pants. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code pants for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code pants. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Recording Dr. Ross. Dr. Ross vaginas. <laughs> well, Kate, the time has come. We're talking to Dr. Ross today. We're talking to Dr. Ross, who is a very famous, incredible OBGYN slash gynecologist, whatever you want to call her, who knows everything about women. And mm -hmm. their personal places. Right. Which I want to talk... There's one thing I want to ask her, which is about all the names. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to come out and say it. Vagina. Why can't you say that? I said it. Okay. I had to get it out of the way. Vagina. What's such a... It's not a I bad can word. say it. I just... I don't know if people at home are going like... Ugh. There's a stigma around vaginas. <laughs> that word... That's a word that actually doesn't bother me. It doesn't sound too clinical. There are other words out there that where it makes me cringe. That's not one of well, them. Well, we'll talk to her about all the different names of them. Them. But why? <laughs> why are you asking me why? I don't know. She's Why she, the words? Like what do they call they call, they say pussy, they say um what's the other word for it? Lady parts. There's a, a million. But that's just slang for the word that no one wants Coochie. to say. That's horrible. That's something that I'm like, ugh, I don't know. See, there's I'm not into yeah. it. Yeah. And pussy, Trump ruined the word pussy. It was such a great word. Totally like, ruined the word. Ugh. Totally ruined it. And I love that word. Then there's then there's cunt, which people could take offense by. I don't think the English do, but right? in America, that's not a kind word. Poontang. I'm not into that. Poonie. That's awful. There's, I, don't, I mean, I should have Googled. Why would you want to ask her about that? She'll probably, she'll probably say all those words are horrible. Just say vagina. I don't know what she's going to say, and I'm not going to assume that she... <laughs> Has an opinion on this. Yeah, we should ask her actually what the weirdest name for a vagina is. I'm a little scared about my microphone because it keeps peaking and I don't, it's never done Can that. Can you turn down the gain? I did. Huh. It's not me with the technical problems today. I can't believe it. Every day is different. Every day is a winding road. Cheryl Crow know what she was okay, talking anyway, about. Anyway, back, yeah. back to pussy. Back to pussy. Dr. Ross wrote this incredible book. It's called Sheology. 
It's S H E slash or dash ology. And I love the grapefruit as the symbolism. Yeah, I think it's an orange. We should ask her, but it's the definitive guide to women's intimate health. And it's all about vaginas. And she's named or characterized 20 different vaginas in here. So every vagina has a category. Pretty much. So she breaks it down. Well, that makes sense because, you know, our bodies shift as we get older. That's just a part of life. Everyone's going to experience it if they're not already. I think that's really smart. I can't wait to talk to her. Right. I think one of the first vaginas is a tween V. She calls them Vs. So it's like the tween V. And then... So that's like preteen, pre premenstrual. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably. Well, like you're a tween. Maybe you haven't gotten your period. Although I did hear that, w- right. that girls are actually getting their periods a lot earlier than they used to. That's something I actually want to ask her about. Okay, like, ask her about that. Write that down. I have a huge list of vagina questions right here on my desk. And I hope we can get to all of them. And then I thought maybe Dr. Ross is someone who needs to appear every like six months. Almost like we're getting, you know, a checkup. Yeah. And we can have our listeners write in more questions. These are just the ones we're thinking of. But you know, there's like 8 billion out there. Yes. Right? Because let's face it, our audience is mostly women. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to know a lot of things. Absolutely. Let's kill the stigma of being scared to ask these questions. Because they're smart questions. They're important questions. Well, also... Our vaginas are... Who we are. The mo- well, <laughs> I feel like I'm more than my vagina, but... You are? It's a... It's a... <laughs> News to me. <laughs> when you look at me, do you just see like a giant slit? <laughs> I just saw like an opening of a grapefruit when the first day I met you. <laughs> Was I waxed or did I have like... <laughs> I didn't know you were more than that. You know, I wish you would you would express that differently. You're like, who's the talking vagina? Okay. <laughs> oh my Hi. god, Doctor Ross. Hey. Hi, Doctor Ross. Hi, Kate. I'm Sherry. Hi. Okay, Doctor Ross. I know because I've seen you as a patient for I, what twenty years, twenty five years. It's been something crazy. You've been through a lot of relationships with me, like you've had. I have. <laughs> I've seen I have seen the same thing you have seen. Anyway, as long as I've known you, I've always felt uncomfortable to call you Sherry because you're my doctor. It's like you know when you have a teacher when you're young and then you see your teacher at the grocery store. Awkward. And you're like, oh my god, they're a human. Yeah. yeah. I did come to your house one night for your Christmas wine party, and I called you just Sherry the whole time there. But then once we get back into the office setting, you're Doctor Rock. What are you going to call me now? I don't know. <laughs> 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 well, you're the professional here. We're calling you Dr. Kate, Ross. Kate, what are you going to call me? I'm going to call you Dr. Ross. That's what I'm going to call Dr. you. Dr. Sherry, anyway. Dr. Sherry? I like Dr. Sherry. So we were just telling all our millions of listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you wrote this incredible book, Sheology, and then you wrote Sheequel. Yeah. It's a guide to Amazing. women's intimate health because, why is it? Dr. Ross, people don't like to talk about vaginas. What is the, what's oh, up but, with that? But, you know, people really do. They say oh. they don't, but everybody loves to talk about the vagina on some level because it's very metaphoric about who we are as people. And we always say if you can't talk about, you know, your, well, your health and wellness, right, and certainly your intimate health and wellness, it's just who you are. And 50% of women never say the word vagina to anybody. You know, and many use code names, right? Happy Valley, Easy Bake Oven, Tunnel of Love. What was the worst one you've ever heard? Yeah, the weirdest. Or the weirdest one. Dick Diver. That's horrible. 
Can I tell you one that I heard once? Yeah. This is like, this was appalling. It, it made me laugh for like a hot second. And then I was like, oh, it's awful. Hatchet wound. Ew. 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 Yeah. That's not nice. Not cute. What did not you, cute. what did you call yours growing up? My mom was legit. She just said vagina. So did my mom. She was a nurse. So it was like, that's a vagina. Your mom doesn't I, surprise me either, Alicia. You're, you had, you had a great mom. Right I know. Kate, maybe okay. you might have too with your calling I, it a vagina. My grandma was a nurse. So she, so my mom, she was always fascinated by everything medicine. Like she was the one who would sit there and watch things on channel 12 about the surgeries. Yeah. So she was fine using like vagina. She never tried to shield me from anything. That's, that's great though. But just in a nutshell about the books, it's basically all the types of questions that people consider taboo and embarrassing. And, and we really just talk about it. We normalize it. People like you, Lisha, you know, you were in my rainbow V chapter you know, on sort of LGBTQ, you know, lesbian health issues. You know, I just brought in the fold of just this all happens to everybody. It's, it's a conversation starter. And, and that's really what it was meant to be. And, and a little bit beyond our bodies ourselves. Right, because that was in the 70s, right? And we've, a lot has happened since then. And then in your book, you break them down. Like there's the... Like, like the sporty V, like your mom, because Kate, your mom's was a dancer, so she would have had a sporty V. So what's a sporty V then? So a sporty V, women uh, who do a lot of bicycling or soul cycle, they're sitting on the seat for a long time and their labia gets numb and can be tingling and, you know, what you can do to strategize against that or, you know, different talk about clothing. Your spin bike would like kill your clit. Yeah. With sporty Vs also, because if you're exercising so much, you're losing body fat and weight. And so that affects your menstrual cycle as well, right? That's true. That was, it was more sort of like the physical problem of how the sporty V and sporty activities affect the vagina and the vulva. And we don't really talk about it, but there are people who spend a lot of time soul cycling or, or biking, and they really have problems. And some do have, to your point, Lisa, problems having an orgasm. (gasps) Like it actually can hurt your clit. Well, if you're not taking good care of it, you know you gotta you gotta take care of your lady parts, right? Like like your right. face. I always say you have to take care right. of your labia and your vagina. Like we the same ritual, we cleanse, moisturize, and hydrate, right? Our face. We have to start right. doing that at a young. Like, what age. do you mean? Because you, I read that you're like don't douche, which well, seems then, gross anyway. But like people do, a, there's a lot of stuff out there, especially home remedies now. Yeah. What's that about? Why are people obsessed with cleaning their vaginas? Because they should be? Well, no. Home remedies. I mean, if you think about yogurt, I mean, who does not think about yogurt and think about that's a cure for yeast, right? So we look to the internet, like who wants to go to the doctor? Like who wants to put their legs up in stirrups anyway? So if you can, you know, you have itching and, and white discharge and irritation on the vulva, you're like, oh, yeast. 50% of people are wrong with that diagnosis. But anyway, that's another story. So they self-treat apple cider vinegar, garlic tablets, hopefully not the cloves, baking soda, yogurt, very commonly used to treat yeast or at least attempt to treat it. So when you clean yourself, don't use a douche. What would you suggest? What is the best way to maintain that sort of pH health? So your, your normal vaginal pH is acidic. It's somewhere between like 3.8 and 4.5. That sounds kind of scary, but the vagina, because it has its own probably like 30 foot soldiers in there that clean, just like our tears clean our eyes, it's the cleansing. So if you, you know, really don't mess around too much with it, you don't want to douche because that washes away all those healthy organisms. 
You don't have to do a lot other than, you know, you want to keep the outside clean. You want to use a vagina-friendly, delicate, you know, sort of soap wash on the outside and at the entrance. And usually I sort of go in about a, you know, knuckle or two inside the vagina just to clean it a little bit there. And not much else you have to do inside. Right, because your body takes care of it. You know, I always say it's, you know, your, your stove at home. You know, most ovens are self-cleaning, but you still have to clean the, the stovetop, right? Right. Because, I don't, you know, you, you guys know when you look and you've seen a lot of vaginas, both of you, I know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Kate's seen more than I have. Uh, no, it's only the impression that I've seen them. It's the magic of television. <laughs> Not everybody cleans. I mean, there's something... Yeah, you know all the vaginas I've seen. Don't... That was a weird segue. <laughs> All roads lead back to Leisha. For me. <laughs> no, okay. but you know. <laughs> okay. You're going to the gynecologist. I need to make sure it's I'm clean, right? And not everybody does because not everybody knows. Right. Not everybody knows. How do you deal with that? You're a doctor. I'm a professional. I mean, honestly, it's not their fault. It's it's our fault. They just don't know? It's our fault, right? We're talking about our vaginas here, and, and a lot of people aren't talking about their vaginas. So we're doing a service. I mean, that's really what my goal is by, by educating women. I mean, look at, la- you know, lady parts. It's all about the conversation. So women are like, oh, okay, now I can talk about it. If you think about it, you know, when the, my first book came out, Leisha, I couldn't, mainstream media would not have me on because I, if I even said the word vagina, it was like saying, you know, fuck. It was that bad. Yeah. Wow. That's so wrong. Yeah. You struggled with a name that would be TV friendly. Remember? Yes. Unbelievable. So now at least we're, we're, we're saying the word vagina and now even better, we're learning how to care for it. You know, how to take care of our, our vagina and talk about all those embarrassing and taboo issues that surround well, it. Let's get into those embarrassing taboo issues. I mean, I have my questions, but what would you say is one of the biggest taboos that you're, that you've come across with your patients? The physical part of, you know, just how do I take care of my vagina? Like the daily cleansing. Are you going to use the same bar of soap that you clean your underarm and your feet? Are you going to use that same bar of soap on your vagina or vulva, right? Like basic hygiene, I think is something that often comes up it's just kind of a basic thing, you know, how do I take care of it? And that, that's something, you know, that we talk about all the time and really what's down there. Like, you know, have you looked down at your vagina? Have you taken a mirror and really looked at it? Do you know your parts? Yes. Well, not every, well, you, both of you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious. I'm like, what are other people looking at? I want to see. You only get one. So take a look. Right. It's true. A lot of women... If I told you that 10 to 20% of women have never had an orgasm, would that surprise you? No, actually, it wouldn't. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, I have a question. Is that common with lesbians or is that mostly straight women? You know, I think it's harder with lesbians if you didn't, but I do think lesbians also still struggle because our sexual issues are the same. Mm -hmm. Our sexual struggles, especially if you have two women, I mean, we're all so mental. If you think about for desire... You know, you have to stimulate the organ above the shoulders first. And, and it's not about, you know, sort of the physical stimulation. You know, we're men, it's very different response. But sometimes it's even more of a struggle because you have two women now. And I think we're just much more complicated. You know, and it takes longer to have orgasms as we age. 
more likely maybe, you know, not to want to have sex together. I think there's just more issues related around sort of the mental, emotional part of sex with two women. Okay. I do want to talk about this because this is, this is common. Lesbian bed death. Yeah. This is big. And for our listeners who don't know what that is, I'm not talking about like two dead dykes in a bed. I'm talking about (laughs) two lesbians that have been together for a very long time often stop having sex. Why is that? Well, first of all, it's actually a myth, you know. We, we, We talk about it in a way... Like it's almost okay, but, you know, we think it's some bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's a myth. You know, what we're really talking about here is that in time, with time, I don't know what that number is, the average that a couple has sex is once a week, period. Now, with women, you know, I think it's it's really no different. Like our issues are, are kind of the same. You're in a relationship a long time. You know, if you're two together, it doesn't really matter. You know, I, I've been with my partner 16 years. She's more sexual than I am in general, you know, but, but we sort of make it a plan to have sex once a week, you know, and, and if it's quick, great. I mean, it doesn't even matter, but it's the connection that I know is important to sort of maintain as we get older and as you, you know, you can distract yourself very easily, right? We do. It's very easy to, you know, we're tired and go to bed and it's, it's harder and it takes a little more involvement for women to have an orgasm. So are you saying that you, you and your partner like make time, even if it's kind of like gets down to looking at like a calendar? No, not that. But you know, like the weekend, one of the nights, it's usually night that, you know, we will have some connection. We just do. We kind of make it a priority to do that. And, you know, a lot of times I'd be like, oh, I'm tired in my head. I'm like, and then I have this conversation, but I know it's really important to her. Meanwhile, you're exhausted because you've delivered like 16 babies that week. But I know that I see it every day. Every day I hear it, you know, you start skipping weekends. You start skipping a week or two weeks. And, and, you know, it's easy to have happen, but I think you, if you start to do that, and this whole lesbian dead bath, which I think, you know, as I said, I mean, it is, we talk about it, but I think it, it's, it's really a myth. It happens to straight or gay people. It doesn't really matter. It's the, the connection that you as a couple are forging together. And it's not, I'm not talking about, you know, pulling out the dildos and, you know, getting crazy here. I'm talking about at least having some connection. I mean, sometimes that happens, but to, to make the connection, you sort of have to work at it. And I don't care what your, you know, preference is. So then lesbian bed death is a bit of a myth and an excuse, really. It's about just making an effort. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, if we're going to really talk about it, I would love listen, your listeners to walk away from this, like, you know, how I'm going to really think about that. Women, as we get older, we're more into cuddling and, you know, holding each other, watching a movie or, you know, Netflix marathon. And it takes a lot more effort. And it takes on average, you know, 20 minutes for a woman to have an orgasm. And as we get older, and you both are younger, I mean, it's, you know, menopause is is a bit of a bump in the road hormonally because you lose your estrogen. And that's kind of our super, you know, human hormone that feminizes us, right? Less blood flow to the vagina, less blood flow to the clitoris. It's it's harder. You know, you're using your vibrator more because it's easier. Right. Right. And so... There's so much. <laughs> if I say right, if I say right, right away, people will be like admitting that I 
addicted to my vibrator. Exactly. Or people are going to assume you're addicted to your vibrator because of the silence. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's a common question. Can I overuse my vibrator? If I, if I use it too much, oh. does it desensitize me with my partner? I hear this a lot. And what's the answer? Let's just say, I mean, it's easier with a vibrator. I mean, most women can have a, an orgasm within three to five minutes with the vibrator because it's easier. What happens is, you know, knowing if you sort of do it the old fashioned way, whether it's, you know, stimulation with your hand or your mouth, it can take longer. Well, what's the difference between the three minute vibrator and the person? What is the person not doing right? Well, because it's just, I think it's just mechanically harder. Okay. They can't make their tongue move that fast. Or they can't make their hand like go up to different levels of speed. (laughs) Could you imagine? You're going to get carpal tunnel. Wouldn't that be fun? If you could push your partner like a little a little button, and you could, like... <laughs> then you turn it off and put your partner back in the drawer so you can go off and do what you feel like doing. You know, it's it's funny that, and I hate to talk, I'm not going to talk about menopause too much, but you know, one of the treatment for we call hyposexual dis- dysfunction or disorder that forty percent of women suffer from. Forty percent of women low sex drive. And in part because because of sort of the mental weight that it takes to really have a good time under the sheets. It's, it's not as easy. And a vibrator is actually a treatment, the, a treatment remedy, because it does make it a little easier. Why do 40% of women have a low sex drive? It's literally the mental aspect of it. That seems sad. It is sad. It is sad. But it's, you think about what happens with stress and depression mm-hmm. and anxiety and life and, and financial issues and work, re- work issues, relationship issues. You have to be in the right headspace to really enjoy intimacy and to really be present. You know, not to close your eyes when your head hits the bed and you're like, you know, you're like oh, thinking about all the things you, you needed to do or you didn't get done or, you know, especially financial things. It's, it's a really big issue with currently and with COVID stress and what that's led to financial stress. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that we, you know, have this low sex drive and, and medication. Have you noticed people's sex drives dip after Trump got elected in 2016? Oh yeah. There's a whole conversation around Trump depression and Trump anxiety. And, and, you know, there's just like this anger. Yeah. I see that voted sticker right on. It's scary what's going on in this world right now. And it's affected people physically. Because when he, when he got elected, it was like, I remember that level of anxiety I had that night. I didn't want to do fucking anything for ages, anything, because I couldn't calm my brain down. So I'm glad to know I wasn't, I know I wasn't the only one, but I'm glad you, the professional, are telling me. Yeah, no, you're definitely not. I went to get my teeth cleaned the other day and my dentist was like, I see about an average of one to two cracked teeth a day now where he would normally see one a week from the stress people are going through. How are like vaginas changed? Have they changed in the pandemic or people's? (laughs) They're sad and depressed. I know, but have you seen a huge difference in the last eight months? You know, I think it, I think it sort of speaks to what Kate's speaking about how, you know, there's just a, this overall sort of low uh, energy and depression. And, and I think it hasn't made people feel really good about themselves when you don't feel good about yourself. It's really hard to, to be sexual. There's so much of a mental component to what we're talking about here. And to, to be able to be in that place, 
to relax enough to really focus on an enjoyment and an orgasm. I mean, it, it takes a little more work. I'm oops. This next election is, is even better for all of our sex lives. I was too. just going to say that. You're going to have a lot of like problems coming in that are like people are fucking their brains out. And now you're like, oh my God, the world is just like a fuck fest now. And you have like. Yeah, fuck fest 2021. Different things coming in. Yeah, let's. Fuck fest 2021. <laughs> absolutely the one thing since it's predominantly lesbian audience the the importance of a couple things one getting hpv vaccination because up to 80 percent of women carry hpv the vaccine now has been extended to age 45 oh it has yeah used to be under 26 and i always talk about safe sex it's so important to really talk about dental dams because that should be part of Safe sex, you know, and I don't know if you all have used one. I've never used one. And do people really use them? Aren't they the latex? Like they're like a condom. They're like a latex sheet. Yeah. So lesbians can pass HPV? Yes. How? They can pass it through, you know, exchanging of fluids from the vagina, inside the vagina, and also contact. They can get it in their mouths. This is how... You can get it into your the back of your throat, and we're seeing more cancers with the back of the throat from oral sex. So HPV is one that the lesbian population has to be very mindful of, and this is where dental dams are so important. Only I think only 5% of women use them. And it's basically right. It's latex that goes over the, the vulva and over the clitoris, and, and that's how you would give oral sex. And, and it's actually... Where do you get those? You can get them on Amazon. Am- <laughs> Believe it or not. Do they have like small, medium, and large, like magnum dental dams? How big is your tongue? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Or how big is your vulva? Exactly. Oh, right. There's that too. It's important that we have to start thinking about this. Like our community, you know, we're at higher risk for ovarian cancer. You know, we're not thinking about cervical cancer. And, you know, things that we should really be thinking about. And it's important that, you know, we go see the doctor, you find a doctor that is going to, you know, be really sensitive to your needs and health and and ask you the appropriate questions and call you by the appropriate pronouns. They're out there for sure. And it's just important that you get your pap smears because you need them. And you can ask for a smaller speculum if you're not putting anything inside your vagina. We have different sizes. I never heard that before. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. Is it true there's another myth that lesbians don't go to the gynecologist enough, which I find shocking. Why is that? Because they don't think they no, have to? No, I mean, that, that's, um, that's a true. That's true. Um, and the reason is just kind of what we're talking about. It's, you know, first of all, especially gynecologists, it's the most vulnerable position to be in. You want someone to feel comfortable talking about your life and your partner and maybe problems you're having, you know, even sexual problems you're having, but you also want to be comfortable during a pelvic exam. And if you're not having penetration with singers or, you know, a fist or a dildo, you know, you may not want anything in there. And you may want to be able to say, you know, I know there's speculum comes in different sizes. So can I please have the small one? Huh. First I've ever heard of that. I had no idea. What are the other things everyone needs to know that we're not thinking of? You know, I think that getting the vaccination is very important, the Gardasil. Should I get that? I mean, I didn't get that, and I'm 49. You're good. I mean, yeah, you're good. But if... Okay. I just think it's... You still, you need your breast exam. You know, you need your pelvic exams. You need to talk to your healthcare provider about, 
any any problems you're having or any depression you're having and and things that you would speak to about your gynecologist. I mean, if most of us, and as you know, Leisha, is like your gynecologist is usually your healthcare provider until oh, fi- yeah. until fifty, right? Until I kick you out and say, you know what, Leisha, you gotta you gotta go. No. You're still going to come to me for paps and breast exams, but, you know, now it's time to look at your cholesterol and lipid panel and, you know, the lesbian community tends to have more obesity. Why is that, do you think? More alcohol use. Why why are those some of the issues? Because there's more depression and more anxiety. Those are a lot of the reasons that we're seeing that. Obesity is also higher and... I don't know if it's that women are more comfortable with women and it's a different cultural acceptance of body, right? Right. You know, right. we're more accepting of each other in, in a lot of ways than male-female relationship. Unrealistic social media expectations of what a female should look like. Well, what about Kegels? Should everyone be sitting around doing Kegels all day yeah, long? Yeah, Kegels are important. I mean, it's we're talking about your pelvic floor and for a lot of people that cat, you know, cough, sneeze, or laugh they can lose urine. It's more commonly seen in women who've had babies because if a baby comes through the vagina, it can cause trauma to the pelvic floor muscles that support the vagina, the bladder, um, and the rectum. So a Kegel exercise is when you pee, you stop the flow and then you release it and you hold, you know, you hold it for couple seconds and then you release the flow again that's your pelvic floor muscles so you want to try to do you know 10 reps uh 10 contractions and holding at least five times a day and it's actually also good for for orgasms when you kind of tilt your pelvic floor up and you um, contract your pelvic floor muscles now what about painful sex a lot of people don't like to admit sometimes sex is painful what do you think the causes are for that? I'm going to guess. I'm going to say it's opposite of a Kegel person who would have a really tight vagina. Not always. Some people are fine. Some people... Yeah. Like you... I would think you're... But some people are like, oh yeah, everything's fine. And then one time you're like, oh, that fucking hurts. Why is that? That's why I'm asking Dr. Ross. Well, why is that? I'm just guessing. Oh, you weren't asking me. Oh, no. Weren't asking me. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but Leisha, I liked your... Uh, explanation. Thank you. Thank you. There's there's many causes of painful sex, and I think it, you know, it, it sort of depends here. So it, it, it often is, you know, are you having it? Uh, probably the most common is, you know, dryness. If you're talking between, you know, sex with with women, and if you if you're having anything introduced into the vagina, like let's say, you know, if you're having once a month sex or once every you know, two months sex, but you liked a dildo or something like that, or penetration with fingers and it's painful, the opening of the vagina, the, the introitus we call it, but the opening can get smaller and it can actually collapse and shrink. And I wrote a chapter about it in this last book because it's not just about being wet. It's not just about here's some lube, here's some KY, here's some extra virgin coconut oil. The entrance to the vagina can get smaller. And if you like something, if you like the feeling of fullness inside the vagina during any sort of penetrate, you know, any type of intimacy, um, that opening can get smaller. And there are things you can do. Like I have dilators. I was just going to say on your website, I saw you had dilators and I wanted to ask you about those. So that's for this case. Yeah. So, so for, you know, or let's say you haven't, you know, you've been single for six months and now you're ready to get out there again. You're going to have really good sex, usually the beginning, and you're going to do all the fun things. You're going to pull out all your toys, 
right? And you're going to have a good time, but the opening is going to be small. So dilators... Wake her up, right? Wait, they, they open the end. I should have shown my little show and tell, but they're, they're small sizes and they go into the opening of the vagina and they come in different sizes and you wear them for like 20, 30 minutes, three times a day. They're comfortable. You can be sitting up. I'm wearing mine right now. No, I mean, sounds, I'm kidding. I mean, it sounds fun. I want one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't kidding, I'd be like, I'm not. That's totally fine. I would have no issue with it. <laughs> no judging. They're, the dilators that we have now, you have to lay down flat for them and leave them in for 20, 30 minutes, three times a week. If you did that and you go up progressively, you, the opening is very fine to let anything inside there without having... To your original question, painful intercourse. You know, you're well lubricated. I love extra virgin coconut oil. It is the greatest lube of all time. That's the good lube? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Extra virgin coconut oil. And it tastes good and it smells good. And it's organic. You don't want the kind that smells like Maui because then you're going to get an okay. exotic yeast infection. You want, you want the plain organic. Actually, you know, I'm coming out with a lube with CBD in it and extra virgin coconut oil. And Kate, I'm going to be giving you some samples. Oh, damn right you are. Uh, that sounds amazing. Because the problem with extra virgin coconut oil now is, you know, it's, it can stain. It gets it's messy. But it works really well. It, it feels really good. I mean, it's a really good lubricant. It it's actually has antifungal properties in it, too. It's the one product I would bring on a desert island is extra virgin coconut. Because you pretty much can do... I had e- no idea. Right? You can do everything with it. And your vibrator. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> then here's my other question, since we're on the sex topic. The G-spot. Why is that G-spot so impossible for people to fucking find? It's a fucking mystery. And I know this is not a new question, but it's still, it is real. There, It does exist. It does. It does. I mean, it's not as deep as people think. That's what I've figured out. It's definitely not as deep. So on the end, you know, the pubic bone at the 12 o'clock position, it's into your, you know, your second knuckle. You go into your second knuckle. It's about that far. It feels kind of spongy. and It's like, come here. It's like doing the come here yeah. thing. <laughs> doing that. Come here. Come here. <laughs> it's that, yeah like it's not too it's not too deep and it's doing the Khmer thing with one or two fingers sorry to get vulgar with anyone but. look who I'm talking to right now the two of you <laughs> well just like that's a million dollar question like that it's a very simple instruction and it you don't have to think so hard you know again like not everybody there you know with patience and time and and the, that you're in the right space for it you will get very wet some people, you know, they do squirt from the glands that are on either side of that tissue, but not everybody does. So it's, you know, they say like 10 to, 10 to 50% of people actually are, are stimulated and can react that way and have a response from it. Wow. Did you know that leash? I didn't. Well, I always get percentages from Dr. Ross every time I'm in there. She's like, <laughs> 40 to 60 people. Yeah, you're like, what? <laughs> I like the term you used when you introduce something into your vagina. Like, I'm going to start doing that. What did I say? Introducing. Introducing. But you know, I mean, and and the vagina changes over time. And whether it's a, a real penis or a dildo, if you are putting something in that area, you know, more than 
every week or well, every two weeks. It, it, it's uncomfortable. You know, you feel like you have a bladder infection every time if something goes in there and that doesn't have to happen if you're using dilators. I mean, honestly, like dilators are just amazing in that way. And now, so I made them, Kate may not know this, that you can wear them and people are more compliant. You know, if you can sit up. You don't have to lay down. You can go like return all your emails while you stretch out your pussy. Oh, you can't go to the grocery, you can't go out to the grocery store and, and while you're stretching out. You your can. Own. Oh, you can. Oh, your little secret that nobody knows about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the tomatoes look great this week, don't they? And meanwhile, you're like. <laughs> oh my God, Dr. Ross. <laughs> I can't wait for Kate and I to look at each other to guess if we have our dilators in. <laughs> morning yeah when we go back to work it's going to take on a whole new meaning because no one's going to know my little secret we should both wear them in a scene (laughs) 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 and see if like the viewers can guess what scene we were wearing them in now now that you say that everyone's going to be keeping an eye out asking themselves i wonder if they're wearing it that scene can you see it in their eyes i don't know could you your book in geology you know a lot of famous vaginas there's a lot of famous vaginas on this in this book. Leisha, yeah. yours yours is the most famous in my mind. Thanks. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah. So so premenopause, what happens before menopause? Menopause is average age is 51, and perimenopause is literally your 40th decade. So you can have all the symptoms of menopause, hot flashes, night sweats, anxiety, depression, heart palpitations, lo- fatigue, low sex drive, bloating. And it's your hormones are normal, but you you feel different. So there are things we can Before do. Before we go, will you tell everyone about your new show on Ellen's YouTube channel? So Lady Parts is so so much fun. Sarah Hyland and I, and we bring on celebrities to talk about. Really, again, it's all talking about women's greatest taboos and embarrassments from. You know, from sex to puberty to breast health. I mean, the episode coming up is on on the breast and, you know, what we should do to take care of it, different sizes. This last one from yesterday comes on every Wednesday on Ellen Tube, was on erogenous zones. Meant to be fun, comfortable, educational. JoJo and Simi were on yesterday. And it's just really fun to, to engage women, empower women, Let's just talk about our bodies. Let's not feel shameful. Let's not feel embarrassed. And of course, there's comedy with it. And because it's funny, it's fun to talk about our bodies and laugh about it. Yeah, we have to be proud of it. I laugh at my body all the time. So I love you so much. And I really appreciate you coming on. I know after this airs, we're going to get a lot of questions coming in. So Kate and I thought maybe if you want to come on much like a like an appointment or like a... Would you come back to us? In fact, let's just do it when Kate's in stirrups. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. It'll be an on-the-ground sort of experience. Be sure to like zoom, zoom me in. Front and center, sure. right in the middle of the action. In the, in the trenches. I love that you two are doing this. You both are, you know, icons in, in our community. And I just love the leadership, the role models, the advocacy you're providing. I have a lot of respect for you and uh, mutual love. Let's keep it up. I, I will come on anytime. Yes, you just ask. everyone go get Sheology. It's the greatest book. It's Full of information. Yes. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Alicia's yeah. in that one. Not my sequel, but you're in that one. Yeah, I'm in the fir- the original. She's under the rainbow Vs. Yeah. The original rainbow Vs. Yeah, exactly. I have a gay vagina. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Ross. What a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bam. Bam. 
Today's episode of Pants has been vaguely brought to you by the letter V and verbalized by your veritable hosts, Kate Menig and Leisha Haley. It was edited and produced virtually by me, the venerable Rachel Shelley, here in virulent, vainglorious London. Please validate us by subscribing on Apple or reviewing via iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at The Pants Pod. Neither are validated accounts yet. You can send us a velvety verbose email at pantspodcast at yahoo.com. Sweet vibrations full of vim are by Carolina Parra from CSS. Visuals by Love Fox. And voila, it's done without using the words virus or vaccine even once. Yeah.